Escape from Plan A. I'm the proud owner of two Filipino restaurants in New York, Jeepney and Maharlika. And the whole idea was let's take anything that we were embarrassed about being Filipino, either dinagoan, being blood meat, or balut. A balut can be described as cross between a just, you know, hatched egg and a fully formed duck. I remember five years old in a predominantly white neighborhood and everyone is exchanging ham and cheese and Lay's potato chips and I have a balut in one hand and a Tupperware of adobo and rice and I'm like, well, who wants to switch with me? I wasn't happy with the conversation, so I decided let's change the conversation. Listeners, another episode of Escape from Plan A. I am your host, Oxford Kondo, and we got a pretty big squad here tonight. I'm here with Mark. Hello, everybody. Diana. Hi, everyone. Teen. Hey. And Jess. Hey. And this is a special episode because we are very happy to announce Diana as the latest editor and full team member of Plan A. Yay! 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 This is really just a formality, Diana, because you've pretty much been a core member for a while. I mean, you, you write such great articles for us, especially the much needed humor element. And you've been on so many pods. So just a formality. Uh, now you get to, I guess, publish. Uh, you know, you don't need us to, you know, click publish on the Plan A magazine. I think, I think that's pretty much the only different, real actual difference. <laughs> but so happy to have you on board. One question Aww. we all have. Why yeah. are you so obsessed with ducks? Uh, it's a long story. When I was little, my mom, like when I was in China, my mom got me a bunch of ducks, like baby ducks uh, as mm. pets. And I really liked them. And then they all died really quickly. And I feel like... Oh, um, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Like, I feel like they were imprinted on me, not the other way around. <laughs> like... <laughs> I just yeah. noticed because, like, there was yeah. one time... It's very you, cute. There was one time, I think you, Diana, me, and, like, a couple others were just having a, a chat in, in um, our Discord, and I noticed that everyone, including me, had a duck avatar, and it was just, yeah. like, three ducks talking to each other. I was like, why is this happening? <laughs> and, then, and then you became one of us. Yes, that's yeah, right. Yeah, now everyone's there, a duck. There's no duck in the <laughs> Chinese zodiac, is there? No. No. That's too bad. (laughs) Just a rooster, just the chickens. Okay, so this episode, we want to talk about, um, among other things, uh, this Patreon that hopefully if all things go to plan, we'll have officially launched by the time this episode has come out. So we want to talk about the details and more importantly, or just as importantly, our philosophy on why after all this time we decided to set it up. But I mean, before we go that, there's a lot of other stuff we want to talk about. Uh, Mark, why don't you? You've been traveling recently. You've gone to Korea. You were recently in LA. So yeah, you want to just quickly uh, tell us a bit about that? I know there, uh, we're gonna do a release a pod soon where you talk more about your trip in Korea. But just give us the the quick lowdown. Yeah, sure. So um, I was in Korea for two weeks with my wife, and um, she's also Korean American, and um, she's fluent in Korean. And um, we went there, and it was a combination of family stuff for both of us and just sightseeing and um, I actually um, went to the place where I was born in Korea because I I know that I've mentioned a few times but uh, I'm uh, I'm an adoptee uh, from Korea so um, that was a that was a big deal so I'll be you know I talk much more about um, my trip uh, to Korea uh, on a pod that's coming up there 
Um, I speak to Jess and um, our other Plan A member, Jong. And then, um, you guys, I don't know if the audience remembers, but um, my friend Kevin Kreider was on one of our very early podcasts. Um, he's the model, actor, fitness coach, um, and uh, he had uh, his, a documentary about his life premiere at the Los Angeles Asian, America, uh, Asian Pacific Film Festival. So I went there last weekend um, to support him, and I'm actually in it for like 30 seconds. Oh, damn. Oh, really? <laughs> so, I didn't know that. Um, it was really, really exciting to see him. It's always good to see him. He's my good friend. And um, I, went, I saw Jess out in California, too, so it was great to meet her uh, in, in the flesh. Uh, and, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a great time. You know, traveling is nice, and, um, you know, I have the time and resources, so I figured I'd do it. Wait, Mark, is this the first time that you've uh, met Jess in person? Yes, it is. So it was a big deal. We had a good time together. Did she yeah. drive... Did she drive you around the SGV like she did me when I visited? I didn't have enough. T- we didn't have enough time to do that. Yeah, we hung out in uh, was, Little Tokyo, yeah. which is uh, where the venue was for his event. Yeah. So obviously, hopefully, the next time out where I'm out in LA, it'll be for a lot longer because I yeah. was literally there for um, one day, basically. So. Yeah, uh, Jess, when I was there, the thing I remember most about our time together was when we were driving up and down the Sa- San Gabriel Mountains, listening to Joe Hisaishi on your oh. in your car. That's what that's what I remember. <laughs> this is like a really nice view. You know, you're coming down and there's like beautiful music playing. Anyway, um, yeah, Teen, nice. uh, you, Mark, and I, we actually met Kevin like last year when he, you know, before he left for LA, we met we met at the Nomad that's Bar, right. which I. I think still to this day is the nicest bar I've been to in New York City. I don't know if that's yeah, probably. sad or not, but it, it is. That, that, was a, that was a good time. First time I ever yeah, hung out yeah. with a model, so I guess that's that's nice. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, uh, moving on, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's happened that we want to, you know, give our hot takes on. Uh, so let, let's go through it. Um, So this thing that happened recently, some uh, white dude professor from Cornell was ranking... Southeast Asian cuisines, and then he got a lot of shit for that. Now there's even an article on Vice. All right, let's have it. Well, what's your guys' hot takes on this? Pissed off. I, when I saw that, it just I just immediately pissed me off. Like he the the the, the guy. I think his name's like Tom Papinski. He's like a professor of Southeast Asian this or that. Um, you know, someone whose like job is to just sort of like observe and study other people. Right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that in, you know, per se, but it's just like this. He comes out with like a a, a, like all basically all of the Southeast Asian cuisines and says ranked. And he says that this is like this is an objective measure. I don't know how tongue in cheek it is. I think I mean, obviously, it's just for fun. And it's just like there's just something incredibly. I, I don't even want to call it rude, but it's just like this weird clinical approach to you know, to, to, to food and this need to rank it and to, to just opine on it and all these like white people piling in going like, yeah, totally mm. Filipino food is definitely bottom of the list. I think there's like one white woman tweeted that there's Filipinos don't basically don't have a cuisine. Yeah, oh my God. I, just, I mean, just, that, I was that's, just disgusted. That's such bullshit because so- Filipino is actually my favorite Southeast Asian cuisine. I don't know what, I guess if you live in Ithaca, you, you will, you, I'm get, I don't know <laughs> yeah. where he's actually from. But I'm going to assume <laughs> that he's from that part of like, 
part of the country based on no real evidence, but let's assume that he is. Of course, you're not going to know what Filipino food is. Filipino food is so good. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So that that lady was Kate Walton. She's a queer feminist activist and writer in Jakarta, and she founded Jakarta Feminist. So and, and she hates <laughs> Filipino food. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that's, uh, that's Kate Walton. Um, Miss Blue Check herself. Remember that time? Uh, I think a few of us we were having dinner at um, at J- was it Jeepney or Maharlika? One of the one it of it was the- Jeepney. We were at Jeepney. Yeah, that was Jeepney. And then the owner Nicole Ponseca, I think. Her yeah, name. yeah. She, she was she's there. Great. We already talked to her like after dinner. Yeah, I she's just, awesome. Yeah, I'm like, why don't you, uh, say that to her face? You know what I right. mean? Just to say that to her <laughs> face, like I don't know. It's just yeah. I I live in kind of like uh, a Bermuda's triangle of all these kind of. Uh, like up, sort of upscale type of Filipino places. I'm just, it's just, I wish I could, I wish I went there more just because they're so good, but because they're so close, I sometimes overlook them. But I've been there multiple times, you know, like Jeepney, Maharlika, uh, recently went to like Pig and Cow. Um, there's another, like Mama Seasig on my blog. There's just so many places. Uh, it's, I'm really spoiled around here. Wow, there's like <laughs> nothing in Boston. I've eaten yeah. Filipino food once in my life, and I had to, like, actively seek it out. I had to go, like, travel yeah. an hour out of town to be like, oh, this is the one restaurant that's, like, in the greater Boston area. It's There's still nothing here. There's still nothing. Yeah. yeah. Diana, it's next like, time you yeah. come to New York City, we should take you to a Filipino place because... Oh, there's quite a number over, of Come them. over to my hood. I mean, Maharlika oh, like and all that stuff is good, but the the real P town yeah. in, in NYC yeah. is in uh is in <laughs> is in Woodside, Queens, which is close they to They might want to think of a better name than P town, but yeah. Well, I call, <laughs> I, call, I, call I call I call it P town, but it's in Woodside. Yeah, I, yeah, I know you do, Teen. That's where it's all. You're in town. That's a good musical. But yeah, Teen, you're right. Like all the places around me are like the bougie kind of upscale, and they're they're very nice. Um, they're very good. Them. They are very good. I, I, mm. Those Ponseca restaurants are excellent. Y- you know cool. what I love is that, like, like we we talk, we mention this stupid guy, we like talk about how angry we are about it, and then we just sort of ignore it, and we go on and talk about. Hey, the, hey, no, like, no, I will all, not all ignore. Food. <laughs> I will say, uh, I think what really, I think disturbed me about what he did was that it reminded me of how, for example, like high school boys would rank girls. Oh, yeah. Name all the hottest girls in our class and all that. Yeah. And the fact that uh, with Asian women, because they're so sexualized, like, I mean, I know this is food, but pretty much um, with, with Asians, our relevance to America is basically food and girls. There was something, I feel like it was just one degree removed from him saying, oh, these like Southeast Asian countries right. or whatever right. has the hottest women. And the thing is, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what, my top three favorite Southeast Asian cuisines are this, this, and this. You know, I... I would say, you know, like, I say that Filipino is my favorite. That might hurt the feelings of, say, Thai people. I'm not necessarily going out of my way to put them down. But to rank everything so that someone has to be on the bottom, I think that was just... It's like, given the power dynamics between, like, white people and and Asian people, Mm. especially Southeast Asian, it was just like, why are you doing this, right? Can I can I just go? I'll go very briefly, but a little my 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 deep take on this. The, the reason I think that this stuff really pisses me off, and but it, it's not that I like. I'm not saying that this guy doesn't have the right to rank stuff. I mean, you totally have the right to do it, right? It's not about that. It's not about trying to control what people say, but I think it's this perspective where, um, and I think this is this is very like true of like Americans is like we when it comes to th- cultural products like food, we we don't we we feel like you can dissociate it from the culture itself or from the people. When you rank food, like the way I think of cuisine, it's like really embedded into the culture. So if you're ranking food, you're ranking culture. And if you're ranking Mm -hmm. culture, you're ranking people. 
So yeah. when yeah. I see this list, it's ranking people, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, to see, you know, I, I don't like, there's no objective way to see, to say whether Filipino food is worse or better than Vietnamese, but to rank it like that, it is just, it's basically saying like the Filipinos are just incapable of producing cuisine. Obviously that's a complete and utter, mm -hmm. I don't even want to call it a lie. It's just t total nonsense. I mean, Philip, like, right. it's just nonsense to say that Philip, the Philippines doesn't have like a rich and awesome cuisine, but it is ranking people. And I just, for some reason, I think Americans, because of our fixation on like products, our fixation on, you know, the things that people mm -hmm. do, and you can somehow separate that from the people is it, it again, I think it, this is a principle that I find undercuts why we get pissed off about cultural appropriation, but it's not just that this, the kind of anger that this brings to me is similar to the anger of cultural appropriation. So it's not that this guy isn't taking food from anyone. This is, you know, whatever. It's just that attitude. There's an attitude underlying it, which is, you know, what you make and what you eat and whatever is just like, you know, something in the market. And yeah, also, right. people are inevitably going to say, well, we make fun of British food all the time or German food. But the thing is, we we don't define those cultures solely by their food. Whereas with Asian um, cultures, especially Southeast Asian uh, like cultures, we just look at them very narrowly to what they can provide for us. And uh, as I said before, it's usually like food, women, maybe like a few cool buildings they might have. So if you say their food sucks, you are effectively saying, you know, you as a people have nothing to offer me. And and that's that's what's well, yeah, fucked they, up. They, yeah, but I they also give I, him, I, I also yeah. think that there are people that there are a lot of people like uh, British people or Germans who do take pride in their cuisine. They study it or they care about it, and you would never want to say that to someone like that. I love German food. Yeah, I mean sausages. It, and I, I think it's assumed that like you know pe like white people, it's like a power dynamic. I, there is something about that, but I think all people, for some reason, not Amer like I just don't think Americans because like we don't lack we lack the, a tightly. We, we just don't have like an endogenous cuisine, you know, like it's not deeply tied to whatever. But, it, you know, if you someone knocks like Thanksgiving as being gross or whatever, which a lot of people do, I sometimes get, a, you know, vaguely annoyed or vaguely pissed. But, yeah. you know, um, anyway, that's my take. I don't know. I tell all the British people I know that their food sucks. But I mean, my, just, yeah, most me. most of them are like Americans. They don't really care, you know. But yeah. I do think that there are people who do take. They they. I mean, there's a history to British food, and there are people who care about it. So I saw this cool article in McSweeney's that um, I think Frankie Huang wrote, uh, where she uh, uses the same tone of like some like white woman going to Southeast Asia and talking about how gross the food is, and she just like does it to describe hamburgers. It's really funny. I'll share it. Mm. Oh yeah, we'll put okay. the, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put in the link. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you want to hear some people rag about European cuisine? Go talk to an Asian tour bus. Oh yeah, yeah, like three times in Europe. Um, like I was stopped by like people like Asians um, doing their tour thing, and they just they really wanted to know where they could eat. And like, yeah, all the stops that they've been like, we we just really need to eat some food. We've been on the road for like four days and we're hungry. And like, you're in France. <laughs> and like, yeah, French food blows. <laughs> and like, okay, dude, um, I have no idea, but this is, this is, I, yeah, in, in Paris, I pointed them to this like really cool Vietnamese place that I had found a couple days before and pointed them there. Um, and then in Italy, they just really like this tour bus really wanted to know where the Chi where like Chinese food was. 
And yeah. I was like, I, I, I don't know how to help you. I'm really sorry. Um, you can do what the Italians did and actually go to China. It might be easier. Um, <laughs> like, that's what Marco Polo did. Um, uh, you, know, it, you know, what's funny is that in Name, in Korea, they have a little tourist town called Germantown. Oh, and I, it's yeah, like made up to be like German. And I, I think it's because like maybe the, some Germans came to like help them build something back in like, I don't know, a few 40, 50 years ago or something. And like they, they built the town to like remind them of home. And now it's sort of just like a tourist attracted, attraction. So, so, so. so does it look like like something out of the Brothers Grimm tale? It's like the Korean twist on what they think Bavaria looks like. Yeah. So basically so are there uh, like, girls probably, in Durndals and stuff. No, well, it was sort of imp- empty when we went, but we got like okay. schnitzel and, you know, we had beer and... Was it good? It was just weird, you know, it's like, oh, th- like the European culture is the touristy, schlocky sort of, you know, dress up, uh, I- and, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it yeah, was just funny a- to see that because I don't think the Germans would be like, you know, that would, they would expect that ever, you know? So. They probably do, actually. I feel like this. This is. I've heard the same thing over and over again from other parts. Um, I don't. I mean, Europeans. I think understand themselves to be like raced hmm. <laughs> and ethnic, right? Like there's a there's a little uh, city here in California. It's called Solvang. Um, it's a really cute little town. Basically, it's like a reproduction of Denmark. Like, That's a sideways little, like, town, right? Huh. huh? That's the town I'm not in sure. sideways, right? Yeah. Possibly. It, sh- it shows up a lot in, in movies and TV. There's like a replica. Yeah, there's a windmill. Um, like a lot of a lot of like old families, like Danish families that were uh, that came over, established the town and actually like live and work in that area. Um, and it's just like like a little time capsule of what Danish culture was like, you know, like a hundred years ago, right? Huh. That's so funny. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of places um, like actually, that in the Midwest too. I think uh, like about that that guy's that professor's tweet. I think what what um what got my uh, hackles up was that it's it's a double collapsing, right? Uh, like Teen, you talked about uh, like boiling things down to products, right? Cultural products. So the first reduction, the first collapsing, the first reduction happens when an entire people's uh, history, culture, uh, cultural output, everything about them is boiled down to, in this case, just the food, the only thing, quote, of use, right? That's an insult of its own. And then to turn around and then say, your product is subpar, right? And it doesn't matter who ends up on the top of that list or the bottom. The insult is the same. It's collapsing it down once into this little product and then and then declaring it uh and then being so blatant about declaring it to be a product that's only there for your consumption right and this is mm. nothing to it's do enjoyment. with the personal preference yeah. like everyone yeah. has a personal preference on this right like personally to uh, like vietnamese food is like vietnamese and filipino cuisine is at the top of my list 
for Southeast Asian food. And, and, and I'll be honest, I haven't even tried all the ones on this asshole's list, right? I, so I feel like there's a little bit of a, mm -hmm. like a flex there. Like, oh, look at worldly That's what it was. He, was. he was flexing, like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, you haven't, sure. you haven't eaten cuisine until you've had Lao food, you know? Like, okay, all right. I'm right, like, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've had it. I cannot, for the life, I cannot say that I've had enough of it to be able to make a definitive declaration that it is 17 oh, but, but Tom has. on my list. Tom has. Yeah. Like, this asshole definitely has. Um, so, that's where the insult was. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, yeah, that guy sucks. Okay, moving on. Uh, so, there was this controversy that happened because this... Uh, what was her name again? It was like Kiron or Chiron... Um, Skinner. Chiron Skinner. Skinner. Yeah. Uh, uh, who, yeah. Was, who was like some foreign policy advisor to... George W. Bush. She's director of policy planning at the State Department. Yeah, and she has like some employment history also with Newt Gingrich in one of his presidential mm -hmm. campaigns. Anyway, she says something about how uh, China is different from pretty much all of the U.S.'s historical rivals slash enemies because they're not Caucasian. Um, mm -hmm. And the headline looked really bad. And I think generally, it, it you know, I, we all know that there's a whole race thing with China, but I don't think it's you know, politely said aloud, yeah. but Teen, you thought that she, like, uh, she actually had a, you know, a, a good point. So you want to talk more about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I saw <laughs> the article because, the, you know, the New Yorker writer, Jai Young Fan, um, she tweeted it and, and she was really, really angry about the story. And there's a, there's a link, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, there's a link in, in Newsweek reporting the statements and um, Kieran Skinner is an African-American woman um, and she was, she was um, saying that you know, it's the first time that the U.S. has had a great power rival, you know, like someone, a peer, a peer level rival, someone who, you know, is almost our equal in terms of power that wasn't, quote, Caucasian. And that this, even the Soviet Union, you know, at that time in Russia now is, quote, in the West, within, it was a fight within the Western family, she said. But this is a fight, this is quoting her, this is a fight with a different, really different civilization and a different ideology. And the United States hasn't had that before, and nor has it had an economic competitor uh, the way that we have, right? And so... Um, I think the the part about the Caucasian, I think it's also striking that it's the first time that we will have a great power competitor that is not Caucasian. And when I read that, I was like, wow, that, that does sound horrible. But then when I was kind of reading closer to what she was saying, I think what Skinner was saying was mm -hmm. that this I, th th that very concept is a result of our own foreign policy community being, mm -hmm. you know, you know, extremely white and not reflective yeah of you know our own diversity and the world and the world but is you know saying yeah. as a as a as you know one of the american strengths is this plural you know this pluralistic society right but we think we we take on this sort of like you know racialized antagonism towards china especially because they're not white and that's because most of our foreign policy community is white yeah so i thought that was a really tough and but true statement but what really uh, interests me about what she said is that basically it pissed off everybody. It pissed off, you know, the American establishment. It pissed off the Chinese establishment. The Chinese government came out and condemned it, saying this is typical of a racist Western, you know, ideology. And uh, this guy Chang Li at the Brookings Institute, yeah. Chinese American, said this is, you know, as a Chinese American, un-American. This, this is un-American, <laughs> you know. And it's it basically uh. like it's an example, I think, of something that's basically true. 
it's 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 I think it's there's just something fundamentally true about what Skinner said, but these truths piss off every single side. Everybody gets pissed off at it. So I just thought that was yeah, really, that's really that, interesting. If you're a Chinese American in the kind of foreign policy establishment, that's going to put you in a really awkward spot because um, you're probably having mm. to walk this fine line, pretending that there's no racial aspect to this yet you know it kind of like probably in your bones you kind of know it and what she said just blew the just exposed all of that so oh i mean she works for an administration the the president is you know calling african countries shithole nations right like so let's it shouldn't surprise anybody right so we we know for like we know that that's how say are the president thinks right and he's the head of the state you know he he he's her boss ultimately yeah. and, and, and this it, is it what still shocks exact, us yeah and this is exactly why we hated that michael Lowe new york times editorial so much right the, oh god yeah. i was born i was born here mm. i have an iphone 6s you know that 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 fucking well, here, line. Yeah, here's just, what like, i i think i feel like there's two different things right like one is what she's saying is that like china is different like it's like a different civilization than the u.s which is true and like they should account for that in how they deal with um you know china in a foreign policy way uh which mm-hmm. i think is fair and i also think it's like obvious and people sh- here should have thought of that before right because like even in vietnam they completely misjudged you know the nationalism of the vietnamese and it's one of the reasons why the u.s lost the mm. war uh the fbi um i think and the cia they're like started by like white guys right to oh, deal yeah. with the oh, yeah. irish mafia and the italian mafia in the u.s and because of that like they did not know how to deal with um terrorism in the middle east and so it's like for them to say oh this is the first time we have to no it's not the first time it's just the first time you realize it's important right and then so that i think like they should have figured this shit out like decades ago but then the way she said it i think is the thing that pisses people off because she's saying like oh they're basically like different like fundamentally different like kind of implying that they are not human in a way and they're implying that like china is this like special like threat you know like i think that is the that that's the part of it that pisses me off and that i think other people are responding to both here and in china yeah but the disturbing thing is so what's the solution you create like i'm sure it already exists but you know create a better department of sinology like they used to have you know kremlinology um and, and well, you'll I mean, study the I think mind the, of, the, of the chinks? Well, no. The, I mean, it's like you have two ways of dealing with it. Like embrace plurality and, you know, be more more accepting of like the Chinese-American community such that they will like actually like give, you know, give you their knowledge and help you or be more um, xenophobic and xenophobic. And it like the way that the argument is being presented, she's making it seem like oh we should uh we should push everybody out more well i i think she is saying that um w- the reason why we're not quite understanding or we won't understand uh what china you know the threat of china or the nature of china is because the uh u.s foreign policy establishment is basically all white so she might not be she might not have said in these statements 
oh well we have to make it less white uh and go a better way i, I guess so, so, but you know but I, I think the question is 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 she right in saying that because the chinese are not caucasian whereas the russians are there mm-hmm. is this immense cultural gap that prevents us from understanding what they're doing what, how they think and honestly I, I, as a chinese I american know. i think that's true to some extent i mean i think she's underestimating how different russians are but i think that there is a huge gap and i think a lot of what china you know china does and 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 what the chinese think is completely misinterpreted and i don't know if it's nece- and i don't think she's saying it's cuz it's racist i think she's saying because there is a cultural content to the fact that they're not white and what you know and i just think that it's tr- it's a it's a it's a truth that we don't like to face in this country you know and i think that that's but, why everyone hated that statement well, this is what I'm worried about. Remember in the, I think this was in the 2016 Democratic Convention when Hillary Clinton was like, you know, Muslims, you're welcome to this country because we need you to, you know, defeat the terrorists. We need your like secret Muslim knowledge to, you know, defeat <laughs> the, the mullahs and all that. And, and how mm-hmm. like they paraded Kaiser Khan out into the stage. He's like, I'm, right. gl- I'm like, I'm honored that I like sacrificed my son for, for the U.S. military. I feel like Asian Americans are going to be put in this really, awkward position where it's like we got to improve the U- American understanding of the oriental mind so c- right. come work for the state department it's going to put us in a really oh, right like bad position i think um, or like the japanese americans in internment where they were asked to basically prove their lo- loyalty right by signing those pledges and uh you know we valorize the japanese only like you know uh, departments or 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 uh, you know battalions in world war 2 so, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, at, base, I at, at base, I think it's just this truth that we don't know how to we, we it's like we kind of have to it's a truth we kind of have to ignore, given our sort of like social ideology, like even though probably most people can be convinced that what she said is true, there's nothing you can do about it. It's totally incompatible with the way that we sort of live here in America. So. It's, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's not because there's something so offensive or wrong or whatever about what she said. It's because we have no idea what to do about it, right? Mm. So, yeah. Well, isn't that anyway. a difference between like a racial difference and an, eth- like an ethnic or cultural difference, right? Because you're saying that the Russians are like way more different than they think they are. But it's because they don't see them as different because of like the racial hierarchy. That's I think like, she was mistaken there. I mean, I, yeah, I think that yeah. she's yeah. underestimating how different the Russians are, but yeah. Right, yeah. so I'm uh, Jess, saying you, that... you want to say something? Uh, we should move on to the Patreon talk, uh, but uh, Jess, you want to you get into the last word? Uh, yes, I would love to get into the last word. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, uh, she's working for Donald Trump, who is practically in bed with Putin. So, of course, as a political statement, she's going to make the delta between the U.S. and Russia, sure. U- the U.S., the sure. former USSR, right, to be a lot closer than the difference between the U.S. and China, right? Um, I mean, I knew people, I talked to people who were there, who were there in the Cold War, who were flipping out over this statement because like we were fucking there we saw the rhetoric right yeah russia yeah. was the unknowable enemy then and nothing fundamentally about you know the foundations of that civilization have changed to call russia mm-hmm. a western civilization is oversimplifying 
rather totally. dramatically. Oh, completely, completely. Totally. She was. Yeah. Uh, that I, was wonder, ask, I wonder how Western yeah. ask every feels, European you know? who has tried to either befriend or conquer Russia to see how <laughs> knowable Russia is as an entity. But, but um, I want to respond to your last thought. I, I think you're right, but it kind of there's kind of a weird loopiness to it because it's like, in a way, you're right. I think that. By emphasizing how how much more foreign the Chinese are versus the Russians, um, I think if all the accusations that they're leveling against Trump about collusion were actually made in reference to him in China, which actually there's there's significant evidence that China has actually been providing him and his family a lot of personal benefits. In perhaps I don't we don't know what the quid pro quo is, but for example, he's got a bunch of he's got a bunch of trademarks that suddenly got pushed through. For his, mm. for his, you know, all this stuff for his daughter and him, um, hotel naming rights and all this stuff. I think that Americans would react a lot more negatively to the idea of him being in collusion with the Chinese versus him being in collusion with the Russians. And I think that is because of race. I do think that there is a certain, there is a certain yeah. familiarity to Russians as sort of like feral Europeans, you know, and, and I think that a significant part of the, the U.S. reactionary far right has a certain sympathy towards Russia, which is why he was able to say, oh, I hope the Russians get Hillary's emails. But I don't think yeah. when so by Hillary in response said recently, well, I hope the Chinese can get his tax returns. Uh, and she said that to demonstrate how fucked up what Trump said was. Uh, well, let's substitute Russia for Chinese. And she had a point. If, she's, if she substitutes Russia with Chinese, it sounds a lot worse. But that's not because of a difference in race. That's because of the difference in racism. Oh, okay. uh, great discussion. But all right, let's talk about the Patreon. So uh, just to provide details that uh, we're officially launching on Monday. And let, let's just talk about why we decided to do this. Because I mean, I'd be, I'd, you know, obviously until now, it's been all free. And that's one of uh, we were very happy to do that because I think, you know, there's a certain uh we never wanted to have to pander to, you know, certain donors or whatever to get money. But I think at a certain point, we realized, hey, you know what? We are putting a lot of effort into this. We do need funds to go to some kind of next level. Plus, there's a lot of people out there asking for money doing way less than we were. So just as a matter of principle, we wanted to, you know, at least establish that the work we're doing is worth putting at least a few bucks in. Uh, so you guys just want to talk about why we're doing this and what, what you envision our goals to be? Yeah, I think when we first started um, Plan A, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of what we wanted that, you know, what we wanted to do, I, I think we're really focused on writing articles, right? I think the podcast mm -hmm. has always been sort of like a pertinent to what um, takes a lot more time and effort, which is writing articles. And, uh, you know, as popular as the podcast has gotten to some extent, I don't, you know, like it's, it's more downloads than I was expecting. Um, the article, some of the articles that we wrote get um, a huge circulation yeah. relative to the podcast. I think some of, the, I think the most read are Oxford's, and they, you know, like the one that you did for to all the boys about to all the boys, and the and the uh, the one about um, the alt right. You're right. That one was pretty popular. Yeah, those got huge circulation, and you know, your articles were getting picked up in like other podcasts. Like people were discussing that alt right one. Um, the to all the boys was 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 mentioned in a lot of other um, articles Slate's and discussions. Podcast, yeah. Slate's podcast, and so I think that you know, for me, when we were when we were discussing this issue of the Patreon, um, you know, I've always felt for me like doing a podcast 
it was easy and fun. Like I, I sometimes describe it as free therapy, right? Like you could just <laughs> talk out this shit or whatever and not feel like you're, you're crazy and talking to yourself or whatever. But when it comes to the writing, I think there's just a lot more effort. And yet, on the other hand, there's so many Asian American writers and journalists out there who are complaining about the low pay and how difficult it is for them to do the stories that they want to do, right? So there's both an issue of money and there's an issue of editorial gatekeeping. And so I think, you know, putting that together with this idea that the podcast is, you know, has its own kind of popularity and that it, it, it is becoming rather common practice to people to, to pay for it through Patreon, I was like, maybe we could try using the podcast to generate Patreon money that we can go out and pay writers for, you know, writers with. Um, so we can get, you know, Asian American writers out there who are full of great ideas that there's tons of things that they want to write, but, you know, that they don't want to do it um, for free. Like that, that they don't feel like just because they're writing the things that they want to say that they have to suffer for it. Um, through not basically. only free, but also just being just editorially bleached uh, by yes. the time their stuff gets published. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, like, no, uh, we're not gonna raise enough money to ever uh, be able to, uh, you know, give somebody a, like a full salary or anything. But I, it, given how low even the top publications pay, I think we can at least pay a decent fraction of that. And I think it would give people who who support us to, like, I I, I just want to say uh, we plan on you know, giving something for subscribing to us, you will get bonus podcasts. You'll also get access to a Discord where we'll be active and everyone who subscribes will be active because a lot of people have emailed us asking us, is there a community of other listeners and readers of Planet mm-hmm. that I can connect with? And while we can connect with those people one-on-one, uh, I also, we also want them to connect with each other because we can't always be the ones talking to them. Um, and, and I think the other big thing they'll get is feeling like they're part of this thing where... Um, it, it's like small donation grassroots. That's the big thing, right? I mean, for a long time, it's always been whether in politics or, or all these, you know, independent movies, TV shows, you know, ha- wanting that kind of, um, base that will give you a, a you know, little, but, uh, it will add up to a significant amount. Uh, you know, let's give that a shot. Let's see if that works. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, maybe we should talk details, but, um, you know, for anyone listening who, who listens to the podcast regularly, don't worry. Like, if you don't join the Patreon, we're still going to be releasing, you know, free podcasts. It's going to be, I think we're... Yeah, you lousy freeloaders. Yeah, but yeah you can still <laughs> freeload and get the podcast as it is. Um, but I think we're going to set up a Patreon where, you know, minimum donation of $5 a month. And as I said, the, the purpose of the funds is both to cover like actual costs that we incur like um you know but they're fairly minimal but like hosting fees for you know our uh hosting fees um and and web uh i guess yeah it's pretty much web hosting and, and podcast hosting fees that are um our costs so they're pretty minimal but that basically everything else uh is the purpose of it is to really build and pool money for um paying asian american writers and i don't mean ourselves. I mean, I, I like, you know, other people out there that aren't p- part of plan A, but that would like to publish something and mm-hmm. not just put it on a personal blog, uh, not just, um, you know, write it for themselves, but to actually get paid and to put it on a platform. That's, that's what we're, we're aiming to do. Actually, it's all going to go to our Ferrari fund. That too. That's right. All right. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think, um, you know, for me, I feel that, 
writing articles is always so much harder. Like when we first started, I was like really gone. I had a ton of energy and I just had like a million things that I wanted to put into writing. Um, and, you know, I think for the most part, I've said a lot of things that I wanted to write. And, you know, there I, for me anyway, there's periods where there's more things that I want to say and there's other periods where there's more, you know, fewer things. And I just think that the more writers we have um, that are in that, you know, that are in a place where they just have a lot of things that they want to say and they haven't been able to say, that's exactly what I want Plan A to be. It's like an option for any writer out there who doesn't know, as an Asian American, doesn't feel like there's like necessarily an, an obvious home for what they're writing um, to publish, that we, yeah, need things, um, we need things like this to provide some option. You know? Yeah, uh, Diana, you've been, I think, our most effective propagandist in, in recent weeks. You've <laughs> been in uh, the a- Asian, the Asian Creative Network, and stuff. So, um, yeah, tell us what what it's like out there, uh, especially for people like you who are writers and comedians looking for uh, even just exposure. Um, yeah, what's it like out there? What do you mean? What's it like out there? Um, like, uh, because we've. Uh, talk to some people who you know want to write for us and things like so what what are people looking for in terms of platforms and things like that i mean i think it depends on uh what the writer is looking for i feel like a lot of Mm -hmm. the asian creatives um they're looking for a white audience because that's all they know to look for um yeah, and like a lot, a lot of stuff just seems to be focused on you know like getting white readers or like to to I don't know to try to I mean I think the baseline assumption is that the readership is going to be white, and everybody that I I I hear about or have talked to is like how do I stay. Asian or like how do I not have to sell my skin but get these white readers um mm. yeah that's that's it I want I want to change that assumption to just be like you can write for other Asian Americans There's yeah that's really like, key right yeah because like I mean that's what we do and I feel like our content is just better because we don't give a shit about those other people, you know. Like, why the and fuck I, should we? I find we? it also. I find it also attracts a lot of non-Asian readers because, like, on Medium, which we're currently being hosted on, um, you you know, you 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 do get um, the account profiles of people who like clap for your article or share it. Um, and a lot of times, it's like it's not necessarily just Asian Americans. It's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of foreigners that like it. Uh, there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of Europeans read it, and a lot of South oh, really? South Americans. I didn't yeah, know that. at least the articles I yeah. write, um, and a lot of uh, you know Middle East little like people from the Middle East read it. Um, South Asians, East Asians. It's 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 quite diverse. The the type of people that have been. Um, hitting up our articles. So I, I think like for me, I, th- I think of it like, yeah, planet, like we want to think of it as look, you're, you're writing for an Asian American audience, but I feel like in doing that, you end up attracting a lot of interested um, eyeballs who aren't Asian because they, they also want to see the, the sort of like unfiltered thing that we want to say. Yeah, like it's, if they it's want more to interesting read, to people. Yeah, if you want to read white articles, you go to a white writer. Why would you need 
like a exactly. slight Asian American twist, like you know, Asian American sprinkles on a white Sunday. He's like, what's the point, right? Yeah. And or so if you, want, if you want real Chinese food, you don't go to you don't go to um, Panda Express. You would go to like you know into the enclave where the Chinese people eat, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how it is. So yeah. And actually, another thing. This is not really related to the Patreon, but we're also want to launch is our is an Instagram. <laughs> we thought about this several times, but I mean, none of us are really Instagram people, right? I mean, like, I always ask sometimes people this: like, would you rather have a million Instagram followers or a million Twitter followers? I don't think there's a lot of overlap. Um, there, you're either an Instagram person or you're a Twitter person. I uh, I think we're mostly all Twitter people, if we're anything. Is that right? Would any of you rather? have a, a million Instagram followers over a million Twitter followers? Uh, yeah, I'm more of an Instagram person, personally. Uh, but that's just my own thing. Mm-hmm. Instagram uh, I- is kind of removed from the world, is why. That's so interesting, because Instagram has like a billion people on it. Well, way more people use Instagram than Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's uh, so interesting that you wanna- say that. A lot of people don't want uh, to be in real life. It kind of blows. <laughs> but they're all together in this fake life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Diana, what about you? Well, I'm more of a writer, and I I just use like uh, Twitter to like go on angry rants or to like workshop jokes. So yeah. yeah so um. <laughs> yeah. So I I think I think all of us except Jess here are Twitter. Uh, versus Instagram people. <laughs> but that's precisely why we need an Instagram because I feel like we're only, like our, our whole like attitude is shaped towards that crowd. We got to explore this whole other thing, which is actually even bigger than than the thing we're trying to go for. So um, yeah, but the thing is we don't like take a lot of pictures of ourselves. Um, so, but I, I think there's plenty of stuff we could put put on it. Like, I don't know, quotes from our own articles or or podcast, put it in some stylish fonts. And we do have some pictures over the years. We could, you know, slowly roll them out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think, Jess, you, you're going to be in charge of this, right? Yep. Nice. It's yeah. going to be um, mostly uh, food, I hope, right? Like, we're going to do a lot I of hope food. So. Our, I think yeah. we, should also, I gotta say, our- we should also have, like, Asian couples. And, like, pe- people hanging out, you know? Asian love. <laughs> Team, when you said it's food, just I feel what life like is like. Good. Yeah. Team, when you said food, I just found that funny because I feel like if people see our Twitter and then see our Instagram, but they only see one of it, they're going to have such different idea of what we are. <laughs> yeah. It's like plan A, <laughs> uh, but, but none of these like foodie Asian Yelper types. <laughs> or yeah. if they just look at our Twitter, be like. <laughs> our Twitter will be like, down with capitalism, you know? <laughs> yeah. The, the food channel in our, in our Discord is pretty off the charts, though. Like, the stuff people, they all are eating is pretty oh, yeah. amazing. So, we got to put that out there. Oh, uh, um, yeah. yeah. We're yeah. going to look so like a not- very rich, fat person. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> look, hey, when, Diana, when you come down to NYC, we're going to go to P-Town in Woodside, and we're going to at uh, Tom Papinski's Instagram with, with proper Filipino oh, yeah. food. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yo, we should awesome. get on that before somebody steals that idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's already been done before. Uh, <laughs> you uh, know, if you think of something, the internet's done it. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I just wanted to say quickly, and, and not to get too serious again, but um, I think the idea of community and bringing people together um, is really important. I think um, as an adoptee and sort of, dialed in a little bit to like adoptee Twitter and adoptee online space. Um, not just like international adoptees or transracial adoptees, but 
you know, adopt, you know, domestic U.S. adoptions. Um, I think people have this feeling that they're um, separate or apart. And I think it's, it'd be really important that for like, for like the Asian adoptees to come in and feel that, you know what, like, you know, the Asian Americans uh, and, and Asians around the world are interested in you. They're interested in your stories. They're interested in your issues. Um, it, it's definitely something I've felt and, and learned more about as I'm part of Plan A. And, um, you know, I think that's really important because one of the issues that a lot of Asian adoptees would have is feeling that they're seen as not Asian enough or excluded. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important for them to see that they're not. Yeah, I'm really excited about this Discord we're setting up. Because I, I, was it yesterday or two days ago? I had a call with somebody who, you know, wants to write for us, reach out for us. And I was just telling her, like, one of the best things about doing Plan A is uh, you just get to meet so many people. I met you guys, people who email us. Uh, I mean, great thing about living in New York is that a lot of people are here. So we're like, hey, let's grab coffee. Or, you know, you, even just a phone call is good, too. And for other people to have that chance um, and not just always have to be talking to us, but be able to you know, talk to each other. And who knows, you know, they'll, maybe they'll start a podcast, you know, don't like overtake us, but you know, they'll, they'll start, they'll start their own thing. And that's, that's what we want, right? Just to go beyond just us. Yeah. I think, I think that's very true. Like I, you know, doing all this stuff is totally new to me. Like I've never really done anything like this in, you know, before. And what I've noticed is like, um, you know, you make a lot of friends doing it and, but it's different. Like you're, you're meeting people sort of much more intentionally, you know, and, and much more with, a certain like a specific purpose so like i don't know it's just it's just to me very different it's um a pretty new experience in 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 terms of like having friends and acquaintances that are like that i have specifically because oh they knew that we are or i had said or written something that they are interested or agreed with and we all know like you know people really interesting people hop into your dms and stuff and Mm. and and start up conversations with you and and vice versa i'll hop into other people's dms and they're you know they're 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 happy to talk about stuff and i just think um what i've learned is in doing that that i think a lot of the things that people think are of no value uh, are actually quite valuable, but you have to go and see it for yourself. Like you've got to put it out there honestly and authentically and then see how the reaction is. And I've noticed that the more honest, the more frank, the more authentic what you put out there is, yeah. that's sort of the determinant of whether people really respond to it. And so this Patreon to me is like, well, it's fine and good for everyone to be like that. But you know, if it's valuable, I feel like ultimately you do got to put money where your mouth is, right? So that's literally what I think we is the next step is like, it's an, it's one thing for us to say, oh yeah, everyone loves, it's valuable. It's what you say is valuable. What you say is meaningful, but are you going to get paid for it? You know? And I think when we talked to yeah, you, um, yeah, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. And when, when you say this thing about almost like this, like mission driven friendship, it is new because before that, a lot of our friendship is based on like proximal convenience, like your neighbor or your roommate in college or hallmates. But I mean, someone like M. Tume, who was just on our last podcast uh, about Avengers and stand culture, just like we basically met through Twitter. Um, and I don't know how our paths would have crossed, uh, you know, because like he, he's a filmmaker, he lives in Jersey City, he's, you know, black. Uh, in our typical social circles, we probably would not have met him, but. <laughs> 
through this we did and you know we talk all like a lot we you know hang out um relatively often so yeah and i I just want more asian americans to be able to experience things like that yeah totally um yeah it's it's a network right (laughs) like i kind of think of it as like an it's like Mm. building it's like building social networks um rather than (laughs) specific you know big public collaborations to do some big pro which is totally cool i mean people who are making films and stuff and that's amazing um but you know if you're not doing that if that's not what you're engaged in you can still be engaged but i think sort of in these sort of like network effect type communities that are taking place online and i think for me personally has been really valuable yeah um if any if anyone else has anything else to say about Patreon, we could also go back to some of the topics we were talking about. Sorry if I cut off anyone. I just wanted to make sure we got our Patreon plug in. Did so. we say how much the Patreon's going to be? Yes, we, you did, we did, but we okay. we five dollars. Uh, yeah, just $5 one tier. Worth. Keep everything simple. Uh, five bucks and you're in. Yeah, and there's and that's what, what like we're going to do bonus ep- bonus episodes that won't be on the main feed. So mm-hmm. if you don't, if you're a freeloader. Uh, you'll get the four episodes, but we're gonna do bonus episodes, which I think are That's gonna right. be a little bit more casual. I, I don't. This is my. Maybe, I don't know where it's gonna go, but I'm thinking that we do it a little bit more casual, maybe a little more personal, maybe like topics that are more random, more, more random, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, more niche, yeah. But it, it's also five dollars a month, just to make that clear. Yeah, that's like I don't. I don't even know. That's like a couple of cents a day or something. Come on, you yeah. can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, with so, that, I want to emphasize, like, this doesn't mean we're walling ourselves off, right? Like, DMs exactly. are always going to, are they're always open, love to hear feedback, um, and it does not matter if you're a subscriber or not. Like, if you have something, if you want to reach out, reach out, right? Like, there's, this is by no means exactly. us saying, like, peace, and kind of dipping out of, uh, like, real life or anything. Um, and also, say, if uh, mm-hmm. if you're a student or, you know, there's a reason, like, you want to be a part of it and you want to support or or something, and it's just, it, it's a stretch for you, um, just come talk to us, right? Like, this isn't, this is a project we're running to be able to support uh, good work, right? Getting put out there and making sure that the creators get what, uh, get compensated for it. Um, but this isn't meant to like punish anybody who legit, you know, has an interest in these topics and wants to be a part of uh, what's what's going on here. So like, like, please just just reach out. Um, I'm specifically looking for like satire and humor writers because yes, I f- please. Mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like um, there's a lot that you can say with comedy with humor that you can't say otherwise right like or or it'll make Mm -hmm. a bigger or deeper impact to people you know and there's like so much uh stuff that you can write about like everything that we have to go through in life um and like each of these like little uh instances of like insult and injustice like the skinner thing and um this guy like it can be made fun of like you can fucking skewer all of these people so many times <laughs> yeah, over that's right yeah no you that's right you you and your fiance Jiang, like you it's i think <laughs> It's like the next stage. Like we gotta get out of you know Asian American humor as basically self punking for the for the for mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. f- yeah, make ourselves that. the donkey for the rest. Fuck that. 
Um, that is not, that's not even funny. It's not anymore. funny. It's I, been done. Yeah. And, you know, it's not yeah. the point of comedy. It's the, the point is to punch up, you know, and to, like, yeah. mm-hmm. say something. Yeah. To yeah, Orson Welles, I think. I can't remember who. Somebody said, every joke is a tiny revolution. That's what comedy huh. is. That's what its yeah. purpose hmm. is, you know, for the human condition. Uh, Jess, you're you're totally right about reaching out. I mean, some people have reached out to me, and they they they're like, "Oh, like, I I didn't know if you like if it was like if it was like good manners to reach out to you, or if you didn't even respond." <laughs> like, what what the hell are you talking about? Like, I'm not, I'm like desperate for DMs. You know, come come at me, please. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I love about slide these, into those DMs. That's what I love about this these this sort of like online network of people's like there. It's not. It's not. It, it, people are just you. You could just say what you want to say. Like it's just there's just not a lot of um, the less the the more authentic like the more just just say what you want to say. And here's the thing: like when we finally, I'm really excited for the day that we that we really get the Patreon up to a level where we're ready to start paying people. Hopefully, that's very soon. Um, yeah. But I want to see. I just want to see next level shit. Um, I want to see new stuff. I want to see people, you know, writing stuff that I've not seen before. And that's the thing that when I when I think back, you know, to why we ever got, you know, started this project up was because I, I was just really tired of seeing the same thing written over and over and over again. And it was, yeah. you know, I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to say what particular kinds of things were annoying me, but like, it's it wasn't that what was being written was like bad or or whatever. It's just like it was just repeating itself ad nauseum, and I was it's like, like propaganda, be... right? Everybody's so, saying yeah. like this narrow like band of like what is allowed. That's not it's not art. It's not news. It's not journalism. It's just propaganda. Yeah, and it was the same mm-hmm. thing over and over again. Just mm-hmm. variations on the same thing about. Um, you know, I, I don't want to knock this thing, but it's like, I don't, I don't want to just write about ourselves or about Asian Americans. I don't want it to be like explaining ourselves or Asian Americans to non-Asian Americans. You know, like I, I want, I want people to project their opinions. You know, I want to, pe- I want people to project from their subjective frame, from their subjective opinion, position and, and know that that position that they have is actually not that crazy or weird or unique that what you have to say actually, and I found this to be true. And I think, um, it, until you do that, you don't understand that you're, you're standing shoulder to shoulder with a lot more people than you, than you realize. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you, if you express yourself authentically, you will then find that people will really agree with you. And that what you thought was your own weird little view on things is extremely valuable because a lot of people see th- are, are right there with you from that vantage point. So that's what I want to see, that next level stuff that, that yeah, connects over, us. Over my long interneting career, I've kept a whole spreadsheet of all the like types of Asian American articles I've come across. Yeah, it's like it's, I, there's a template that is really just like a Mad Libs of yeah, right. like every, every year, every two years, the same series of articles comes out so we, we got to break out of that and, and it just puts us into this like little menagerie of like all the all the um you know weird little bits of diversity that make up america and it's very to me it's very um 
isolating. It's very, it, it, it makes us exotify and makes us different from everyone else. And we love to revel in how we're different and people don't understand us. Um, and I just, like, what is the point of this? You know, um, so yeah. anyway, that's that's what I'm just talking about personally what I want to see. So if, that's the other thing. It's like we're announcing the Patreon, but also we're announcing like we want people to to think of us as a place that if they if they have things that they want to write um, that that I want that plan A is really looking for stuff that's new, um, that's authentic to what you really want to say. And, you know, we're not. Don't think of plan A as like a bunch of editors that have like a real clear idea of what we want to say and we want you to write it to please us. That's exactly what we don't want. You know, like we want you to write it to please yourself and to to convey what is going on in your head, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. I think our body of work actually stands behind that. I mean, I think they all say they all say something like that, but it becomes pretty obvious that what they're cultivating is agreement, right? Towing a line. And if you've been following along with what we've been doing, I think one of the hallmarks of it is we actually disagree. We disagree profoundly, uh, vocally, <laughs> um, yet we're all able to talk to each other. We have, a, we have an understanding mm -hmm. with each other, respect. It, it's not about cultivating agreement. You don't, uh, you can't, I don't even think it would be possible to be like, oh, I agree with plan A's stance on anything. It'd be like, no, who? Who's undefined? In play? Right? Yeah, totally undefined. Right. Yeah. Um, but we've been in dialogue for for a couple of years now. So I think uh, so the exciting part for wow. me is that it's not about creating like a manifesto, right? Like a, a, a single ideological viewpoint. It's fostering differences while respecting similarities here. Like we can find common ground, but we can also yeah. we can also yeah. really see like we can really appreciate and hopefully be there to promote the stuff that really pops off, the stuff we haven't seen before because everyone else out there is cultivating agreement within a really really narrowly confined space. I mean, I think I think I agree <clears throat> with that, but I think you know we we do I think see we disagree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think the past couple of years, go. my experience is that we do disagree, um, but it, it's not for purposes of us finding a way to get along despite disagreement or to compromise over the disagreement, but to actually suss out, is there is there like a better picture that can emerge from that disagreement, right? Like, is mm, there yeah, some I mean, way that bo we're both wrong or we're both incomplete? Right. And and I I found that over the past couple of years that that's actually been very true. Like that, the more open you are to disagreement or to um, alternative takes on things, that a much clearer picture resolves itself because you're having multiple viewpoints of the thing. And it's been it, it's a real okay. phenomenon, you know. So you end up I, agreeing just, uh, more than you thought you would. That's 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 yeah, also exactly. one of the things. Yeah, this like second generation Asian American. Uh, fear of conflict and, and, and but the only time we relish conflict is when we often target Asian Americans lower than us on some kind of uh, social ladder that that's gotta that's gotta we gotta address oh, that because oh, stop doing that yeah actually, actually that's a huge point is yeah we don't we're really trying not to privilege a particular class or nationality or ethnic origin like you know it's not about that uh, it's, it's specifically to to I, I think in a way to counteract, I think what has been a, 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 
a, a sort of like gate, editorial gatekeeping that's really been given to like a very privileged class of people. And I think that, at least for me, I've always felt that we've been trying to push the perspective of, um, of people that don't that that aren't at the at the mountaintop, right? Like not just those that have made it through all the gatekeepers and have proven themselves proven themselves worthy um, to the media yeah, establishment. Agree with that. Right? We're not the yeah. media establishment. We just need like little Patreon cash. <laughs> so that's yeah. you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, does anyone have any other thoughts on Patreon? I've, I've got a kind of like stupid, slightly scary story to tell, so I just want to get that off. But uh, no, let's get to it. Let's get to your. Uh, oh, before okay, you say that, I want to agree with um, <laughs> Diana when we were talking about like the how you know the Russians and the Chinese. No, I agree with you. I think it's based <laughs> off. Just, I, I, no, I, I know. It's, I, I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton was was right. I'm saying that she was demonstrating <laughs> that, in fact, that's how we think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or at least, you know, and, and there is a sort of racist bent to, to how we think about, you know, Trump being in collusion with the Russians to hack her emails is like bad. But but Hillary Clinton inclusion with the Chinese to get his tax returns is far worse. And that's yeah. ra- that is the racism that I think Kieran yeah. Skinner is pointing out. It's it's she's manipulating Sorry. that it's. I mean, to go from massive enemy of the free world to buddy-buddy with uh, the U.S. president, that means that they have to be, you have to be willing to see these people potentially as part of the family. And this is entirely skin color at this point. That's that's the difference. I can't see in one generation people going from... Uh, China is the is the greatest threat to uh, Western civilization. To hey, it is no big deal if the U.S. president gets in bed with, uh, with the, with the Chinese president. You know, like it's not going to happen that easily. So I, yeah. I mean, I I ended up, I agree with that too. So I don't know. I think this one actually deserves its own pod. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's let's not tack it right at the end. It, it is a, a big topic. Or hell, right, scary, an article. Sc- scary story time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, long story short, uh, last night I trapped myself in my bathroom, and I, I live alone <laughs> in a studio. Okay. So what happened is I have a really like bad doorknob. It's been like that ever since I moved in. In which it doesn't really work from the inside. So there have been times when I've like turned the knob, but the the latch doesn't open, but <clears throat> eventually opens, and. Um, but it's been kind of gone. It's gotten worse recently to the point where last night I'd gone to the gym late at night, uh, taking a shower and I knew I wasn't supposed to close the door and I successfully avoided that for a while. And I called my super, but he was going to come the next day. Uh, but it's just like force of habit, right? Like, especially like showering with the door open is just kind of weird, especially if you've ever seen Psycho. Uh, so <laughs> I, I close the door and I get out, I dry myself off. And then I, I go and turn the knob and it, it like there's it just it's loose and, oh, I, and I'm shit. like I'm like oh fuck I fucked up oh shit um, but I was like okay you know what don't panic I'm sure if you just keep doing it it'll uh, catch eventually because it usually has done that in the past like ten minutes fifteen minutes I'm like uh, jiggling the doorknob it's not working uh, and it's like it's like probably like one thirty right now. What, what's thinking, it like in your bathroom? Is it really small and do you have a window? It's small. It, there's a window, but it's way too small. I can't climb out. Plus, I'm on the fifth floor. It would be suicide if I if I went out. Oh, shit. So, I'm thinking, okay, um, worst case scenario, I guess I have to smash the door Jack Nicholson style 
Um, <laughs> yeah. But then I don't want to have to pay for a door. This is, you know, this is my like child of immigrant thinking. I'm like, God damn it. I'm not, I don't want to pay for a door. So I'm like trying to, you know, could I maybe just smash the doorknob? But it's like, I don't want to break my hand either. So then I decided, mm. uh, the thing is like my, my room's like small. My, I have a small studio and often, like it's and and the walls are quite thin. Like I can easily hear whenever like someone's going, you know, in the hallway. So I'm like, okay, my solution now is to yell as loudly as I can, and hopefully somebody will hear me. So the thing is, like that first yell is hardest. This is, this is fucking dire, dude. This is a, this <laughs> yeah. is a dire. I, I relate to this. So but you this hear is stories. Dire. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. You team, hear this stories happened, that like I know someone this happened like, to you yeah. as well. So I'm thinking. I really don't want to have to yell help, help, because you know it's it's a little disempowering, you know. Um, yeah, it's, but that, it, it's oh hysterical. God. You don't want to. It's it's yeah. just hysterical. It's, so that, it's kind of funny. That first shout is the hardest, and it. I, but I was like, okay, this is this is getting pretty desperate. I don't think this doorknob's gonna work ever. I really don't want to have to pay for a door, uh, and or break my hand. So I just, I just start yelling, um, you know, oh, you know, my name is so and so. I'm in an apartment, so you know, my doorknob's broken. Can someone please call the super? Now, and I yelled this, I think, for somewhere between, like, 10 to 15 minutes. Thankfully, oh, my God. That's a long time, dude. Yeah. Thankfully, my uh, neighbor uh, hears it and calls the super, who was, you know, very cranky, obviously, because I got him out of bed. But he he eventually, he opened the door. So, thankfully, I didn't have to smash it open. My last resort plan uh, was actually not smashing the door. It was to sleep in the bathroom all night, hopefully in the morning. <laughs> Hopefully in the oh. morning when everybody's going off to work or something, somebody I'd hear so, someone in the hallway right. and I would yell, and I was oh, no. I was willing to do that. Um, oh my god, yeah. dude! You hear stories of like people being found like weeks later, like dead, or like that one guy who was <laughs> um, found when he was like he had been plastered inside a wall, like oh god. he had been a worker in like a, a in in a building and they were repairing it and they had plastered him into the wall and they rescued him like a week later. And he was still alive. Like that's what that that that's what happens to people who get locked. In. You have to yeah. look. You have to look at the bright side of things. You know, like basically, you had a real life escape the room experience, and you, and you succeeded. <laughs> but and see, you got out of there. I'm, what I'm very proud of about myself is I did not panic. I was very that's calm. True. I was very rational. I was like, okay, worst. I think. I think I. I think worst case scenario, I'll just have to break this door open. It's not made of steel. If it was made of steel, yeah, I would have started panicking. Right. But it's like, okay, this door's not very strong. Um, maybe I'll be out a few hundred bucks because I'll have to break it or whatever. Um, so I was just like, huh. I got locked in of... my... Uh, I, I had I had a similar experience. I was locked in... I have a really shitty uh, doorknob in my bedroom. And then this one morning, I wake up for work. And I, and my door... I, I go to open the door and, and and the knob just comes right off. And then the whole thing just... Like, both sides of the knob just fall out of the door. Oh, shit. And I'm like, I don't know how doorknobs work, uh, per se. And I don't know how to get out of this room. <laughs> and I'm, like, fully... Dr like, I'm, you know, I'm dressed. You know? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> right. uh, so I tried calling... I had my phone, fortunately. So I tried calling my super, but he wasn't picking up. And I was like... my I mean, the worst that was going to happen was going to be late, late for work. I, I didn't think I was going to die. But I did consider my options, and I was like, I, I think I could go through the fire escape, but then I can't get back in the building because my keys are in the other, you know, uh, so that doesn't help. Uh, so eventually I was able to stick a pair of scissors, which I thankfully had in my bedroom, through the hole, and then that actually turned the lock. Man, that's and, very, uh, very MacGyver yeah, of you. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like escape. Like, it's escape the room. It's escape the room. You know, and yeah, I felt yeah, I felt really yeah. good about myself. So yeah, you figure out how a doorknob works. Like that's happened to me before. There you go. And I had a screwdriver in my room, and I was like, oh. This is like really straightforward. I mean, obviously, it's just a doorknob, you know, it's not rocket science, but it's like you learn something. Yeah, actually, I learned something actually, valuable. What kept me calm was your bathroom's not the worst place to be trapped. You, know, you got your water, that, that's that'll true. keep you alive for a while. You got you got a bathroom, so you're not going to like shit on the floor. Um, <laughs> you can take a shower again. You can take a shower. Um, <laughs> It'd be clean. <laughs> yeah. If you sing, I guess the acoustics are pretty good, so you'll sound very <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, that's right. Um, you can uh, master your single in there, yeah. Yeah, but you are now forever known on your floor as the guy that trapped himself in his own bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I wonder yeah. how many. No, the thing is though. Um, yeah, it's like I wonder how many people heard that. Hell, I I want. I'm sure everyone can hear me when I podcast too, because uh, you know, as I said, this is this is a very small studio. Uh, I'm sure they can listen to me. Um, I, who knows what kind of reputation I have in this building. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I've had the exact opposite problem. I got locked out of my bathroom once. Uh, the door. Oh, jeez. Another time, I was trying to go to work, and my I don't know what happened, but like the the door expanded in the frame, and <laughs> I could not open the damn thing. And I I needed to go to work again. I was like, I need to brush my teeth. You know, I gotta I gotta clean myself up, and I gotta piss. Uh, I had the opposite oh, no. problem, and it's actually more dire in a way if you can't get into your bathroom. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you pee in the kitchen I, sink? I, I, What's that? Did you pee? No, in I was thinking about it. I, I was thinking about it. I, I was like, oh, I, gotta, I can't just stay here all morning trying to. I gotta go to work. Uh, and I, I was pulling. I was literally. It wasn't a doorknob issue. It was that the, the door had expanded into yeah, the frame? Yeah, There's too yeah. much friction. Yeah, and yeah. I was pull. I was literally pulling on this door. I did not know what to do. Um, and then eventually, I, 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 what I did is I stuck my fingers under the bottom of the door. There's a little bit of. Man, you're, you're so crafty. I, yeah, and I would and just like pull in the bottom, up. and I was like, maybe this thing yeah. will break, and then a little hole will appear at the bottom, and I can crawl through it. Uh, but, but then, <laughs> you know, because it was bending, right? Like the bottom was, it was right, the top right. that had expanded. So I'm like, maybe I could just chip off the bottom of this and then cr- shimmy through the, through the thing, and then and then I'll be good. Um, but in doing wow. so, I pulled the door right off the frame. Wow! Uh, oh my God! And team, you are team the Hulk. Way Jing. too committed I mean, to going to work on time. <laughs> I really needed to get in there. I needed to yeah, get in there. I, yeah. I can't. I, you, like when I get up in the morning, I got to be in the bathroom. I cannot go any. I got to go straight into the bathroom. I can't. I can't go. You know what I mean? I just got to go. I, I got to brush sure, my teeth. Yeah. Like, almost the first thing I got to do. I don't know, but yeah. Well, <laughs> I almost this when I was in um when I was in uh I think I was in high school or college. Um, I almost got caught in an elevator and that is like one of the most terrifying things is almost getting like is the thought of getting caught in an elevator Uh, and um, for some reason they shut the power off in the building we were in and the the building you know the elevator just stopped and (laughs) the lights you know turned off jeez and and like you know I think there are like two two or three other people in the elevator with me so at least I wouldn't have died alone (laughs) <laughs> and um, you had food as no, well. No, but see, yeah. one out of those three could we have been safe. We were in Satan. an elevator. But that's true. Yeah, that's, but that's thankfully, the thing. so we were like, "What are we going to do?" And and um, you know, we we pushed the button for to do the alarm, and nothing was happening. And it was like, I think like five minutes passed, and we we're like, you know what? We're just going to open the door, see like see what's going on. Maybe we're close to like a you know, we could climb up. 
And thankfully, we were like halfway to the next floor, and we just crawled out of it. PSA, but P- PSA, never yeah. do that. Never. Yeah, yeah. Do isn't that. there? Isn't there? I'm yeah. sure there's a movie where someone tried to do that, but the elevator started moving, so he yeah, he, yeah, got he gets cut in half. half. There, yeah. there was a yeah. woman in like Midtown who it was a few years. ago, I remember it was really famous. She um, the, the the elevator caught her in between floors and it literally ripped her in half. Oh jeez, God. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that was it. Maybe it wasn't yes. even a movie. Maybe it was real no, life. Oh my no, God. it's real life. It happened to a. Do- God, there's a couple famous damn. incidents where. Um, people uh, are as they get into the elevator i mean they weren't even doing what you were doing they were just getting into a normal elevator and it started yeah and it started moving before they were fully in and that is horrifying and it ripped it yeah just ripped them apart um god damn it yeah anyway you know honestly every time i get in an elevator i do have like that inkling of a thought that what what would happen if it started moving yeah like never i was getting in especially in between floors like you just got to stay in the elevator until someone tells you how to get out but, but yeah, it's really scary. Yeah, but this was before like everyone had a cell phone. Yeah, like, yeah. That's... Some people just didn't have cell phones, you know. So like we would been there for a while. Yeah, I mean I got my doorknob fixed, but now I'm a little paranoid because I don't like it'd be so embarrassing if it happened again, right? Because I mean the first time <laughs> I feel like people are like, okay, you know what, that that guy he was in a desperate situation. If it happened again, they might be thinking, you know what, Let, let's leave him in there for a while, let him learn his lesson. So maybe I should just take my phone in. To the bathroom every single time. Uh, remove yeah. your, fu- remove the door, and then put those beads. You know the bead curtain, and <laughs> oh, it'll yeah. just be the weirdest fucking bathroom in all of New York City. Uh, and so, yeah, and so, guests will never use your bathroom, which is another plus. So Oxford, I'll never go to your bathroom. That's, that's, that's never <laughs> it's gonna happen. Totally guest proofed. You know. Yeah. So. Or get a get an Alexa. If it's a small place, you can that's just right. put your Alexa someplace if you get, get into right. a, oh, true. a smart door. That's true, yeah. yeah. Smart door. Very yeah. Smart. If someone has an Alexa, I'm curious if you could tell it, Alexa, I'm stuck in the bathroom, help. Uh, and it'll probably... <laughs> yeah, you, you, can. Probably could, you can tell it to call 911, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, you can. I mean, okay, if you mm-hmm. live alone in a studio, like, just leave the door open. Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Um, I, I, just, like, I guess, you know, just like human training has been so ingrained in me like don't go to the bathroom with the door open i, I you know i have yeah. such i have such good manners you know even if there's nobody else uh i close it so but i was telling you when i got out oh my god it was like fucking shawshank redemption i was like yes I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> well that, that, so that it would have been shawshank redemption if the way that you got out was to climb through your toilet oh dear god oh dear god <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i, I would have had to like get, get a you know the neuralizer from men in black just to wipe my right. i can't live with that knowledge embedded in my memories do, do you think you felt better getting out of your bathroom after being trapped or the the the, the spurs beating uh ix yesterday actually you think felt better actually the bathroom because i'd already ex- expended all my soccer joy when the spurs beat manchester city Ah, yeah. Okay. So I mean, uh, yeah, that uh, beating um, uh, Ajax felt really good, but uh, I was like emotionally exhausted already. No, I, I, I <laughs> meant more like, do you think the Spurs players felt better oh. winning, or did, did you feel better getting out of your bathroom? Oh hell, my getting out of the bathroom. I, I, I think the Spurs players felt better because all <laughs> no, that me. he did was get out of his bathroom. <laughs> I could have died in there. <laughs> I, my, I had an experience in Paris where, where we were there for a, like a high school trip and we, I missed out on Versailles because my, my best friend who I was rooming with got stuck in the bathroom and we couldn't get him out. And the, my fucking entire class just left without us. 
And I was like, yo, Steve's still in the bathroom. And they're like, yeah, we got to go. So, Wait, so you mean in a, in a public in a hotel, bathroom? in a hotel oh. bathroom. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I couldn't open it from the, I couldn't open it from the outside. He couldn't open it from the inside. Oh. Uh, and they couldn't wait the for hotel us. Staff? So they went to Versailles. My whole class went to Versailles and I had to get these like French, the French dudes to come up and they took the door apart and they got him out. And then we spent the rest of the day just chilling in Paris on our own. And uh, it's probably so. for the best. All right. I, yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, Tina, I'm sure you didn't miss anything on Versailles. It's, it's, you know, it's an ugly little place anyway. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining us for this episode. Uh, our Patreon should be launching uh, simultaneously with this podcast episode. So, you know, if you've been a fan for a while and you want to be a part of us, you can uh, do it uh, in several ways. As I said, we will give you a bonus podcast. You'll have access to a special Discord and you'll get to be part of this uh, I guess it's kind of like an experiment we're doing, like a grassroots Asian American creative experiment. Let's see if we can bypass all the gatekeepers, do something for ourselves, find some exciting Asian American voices, and give them some kind of platform. So join us. All right, bye all. Bye all. Bye. Bye. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Escape from Plan A. I'm your host Oxford, and along with me was Teen, Diana, Mark, and Jess. And if you like us, please go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and all those other platforms. If you like us, please leave us a glowing review, five stars. And as we said, our Patreon is launching, so please support us if you're a fan of us. And go read our articles at planamag.com. We'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Keep the poor from out my rights. Immigration ain't an issue for the right. Cause it ain't right to have the right to keep the laws in favor of the job creator. When the job creator ship a factory for cheaper labor. Labor low enough to keep the people quiet and complacent. When the money's getting spent right on the soil that's adjacent. To the place where they are starving. So hop a fence. Coffee in my bed will keep the dogs up off my scent. Skin color versus the board of education. If you ain't catch that line and you should study segregation. This is rap mediation. Time to snap you right.